0: Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and his kingdom. Guys, let's just pray for Chris. If you guys just want to extend a hand. God, thank you for Chris. Thank you for what you're doing. In Him, and we just ask for more. And as He shares with us, God, we just ask that He will share the true things that You are speaking to Him and sharing with Him. In Jesus' name, Amen. Awesome, thank you. All right, how are you guys doing? Good, good. Um, so uh, I, I go on. I'm an actor, and I go on auditions where you you walk into a room with a bunch of people, and you say lines from a, from a scene. And it's incredibly nerve-wracking. And I, I've always been terrified of it. I, I still am terrified of it. But some, some things kind of work to give you confidence in life. I don't know if you guys have those articles of clothing or that, that, that bracelet, that jacket, or something that, that gives you confidence. Uh, I have this, this leather jacket that was a gift years ago. And when I put this thing on, I feel like I'm bulletproof. I feel like, like I can walk into a room, and just, anyone can just shoot me. And it would be like, no, no, I have a jacket on. It, feel, it gives me so much confidence, and so what I'll do sometimes is I'll, I'll rehearse with it on, and back in the day, I'd rehearse with it on, and I'd feel so, like, free, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, gosh, I'm just, I'm just this character. I'm so, I, I could do this in front of 10,000 people, and then I get in the room, and the, the role doesn't call for a jacket, so I'd have to, like, take the jacket off, and all of a sudden, I feel like I'm the size of Gollum, and I'm, like, this little skinny, like, just this uncovered naked guy, and I feel so un- un- unconfident, and, and all of a sudden, all my securities is gone, and it's it is, it's it's uh, so I learned that I I have I can't rehearse with the jacket on. I have to take the jacket off, and and start in my insecure state and slowly focus on what's important, which is which is getting the lines right and actually making it believable, like this the important stuff. And what we're gonna learn about this today. Here is that. It's the same way with riches, with with your bank account, with anything you have in your life that gives you confidence. Like, if, it's not good, if it doesn't matter in heaven, if we really are going to not take anything with us, then why, why let it distract us with this false sense of security? We've got to take it off. we really got to take it off, and we are got to unpack that. So the scripture today is Matthew 19, 13 through 30. Okay, so uh, let's read it all loud, uh, because when you read, when you look at it, and you read, there's there's two different ways of learning. There's like hearing it, and there's actually reading it, so your brain learns it faster, so let's all say it out loud, all right? Then children were brought to him, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. This is Jesus, by the way, sorry. This is Jesus, all right. (laughs) The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, "'Let the little children come to me, "'and do not hinder them, "'for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven.' "'And he laid his hands on them and went away. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter eternal life, enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, All these things I have kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at him and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, what we we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, In the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. It's good. It's good stuff. All right, so I'm gonna to have to move quickly through this because there's a lot to cover, all right? So let's go back to the beginning. So a bunch of kids run up to Jesus and the disciples say, whoa, 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 get away. Like this guy's a VIP, he has business to take care of. At first it sounds like, oh, okay, that's kind of mean, you know, but like if he's raising the dead, if he's performing miracles and he's healing the sick and a bunch of these healthy kids are being brought forth just for a blessing, that, that seems like his time is too important. If I was a disciple, I'd do the same thing. I'd be like, you know, this is, this, is, this is a waste of time here. But he rebukes them and says, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, alright? And then this guy, this, this, guy, um, this story takes place in uh, Mark and Luke as well. So, and he's called the rich young ruler. This guy is wealthy, he's young, has health, and he's powerful. This guy has everything going for him. But He's not this, I've read this before, like, like he's some jerk, or he's some like cocky guy. He's, he runs, in, in Mark's version, he runs up to Jesus, and he, and he kneels at his feet. First of all, for any man to run, it's, it's an undignified thing. It's like, if you're important, people come to you. And if you go to them, you're going to walk. You're not going to run to them. But he runs to him. So there's some element of humility, and there's an element of genuine sincerity in this guy. So... And I think that'll help us relate to this guy more because when we, as, we realize, as we walk through the story, we're this guy, whether you realize it or not. All right. So he runs up to him. He's a good, good guy. And, and he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What good thing must I do? So his question implies two things. One, that he, he can like do good things. And two, that, that he can do enough good things that he actually can get eternal life. So he's coming to Jesus like he has something to offer. And he'll work for it. He'll work hard, but he has something to offer. And it's such a great juxtaposition to the kid because the kids kids are just, they're not going to say, hey, Jesus, uh, what what can I do? They're just going to say, hey, can I go to heaven? Can I have this? I'm not offering anything because they know they have nothing to offer. They have nothing to offer. And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these who really believe they have nothing to offer. Except their their soul and their sin. So, so he goes up there and he does this, and so Jesus, you know, actually says he he calls him out on the good stuff. He calls him out, and then he says, uh, he says, keep the commandments, which Jesus knows that that no human can fulfill the commandments. He that, that's he's there for that. He knows that. But he says, "I'll oh, keep the commandments. He gives him a short answer. But the guy presses him and says, which ones? So he's, he's sincere about this. He wants to know, like, like what, g- give, me some, give me some guidance here. And what's interesting is that Jesus only mentions six commandments, only five real commandments of the ten. And then he adds in his own, love your neighbor as yourself. And so he skips a whole, like, five, and the guy does, doesn't miss a beat. He doesn't, he doesn't even question, like, oh, wait, didn't you miss these commandments here? And Jesus obviously, he does it for a reason. And the guy says, all of these I have kept. All of these I have kept. And that's six commandments. Loving your neighbor as yourself. This guy is a good guy. And Jesus doesn't correct him. That's the crazy thing. He doesn't say, like, oh, (laughs) yeah, right. He actually doesn't correct him at all. So it's possible this guy really did do these things. He was genuine. He was sincere about it. And he was actually probably a better better person than us in terms of how he treated people. He was very kind, and he loved his neighbor as, as himself. But... There's some commandments missing, obviously. And Jesus sees this, and I think he sees uh, the first and the tenth commandment are missing as well. First commandment being, you shall have no other, go- like, uh, no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. And the last one being, you shall not covet. And these two commandments, above all, are the most interior commandments, the ones you can't really see, you can't really prove. Like, hey, you're, you're not worshiping God with all your heart. You, know, you, you can't really call that out on someone. You can't really say, hey, you're coveting right now. Like, like I, mean, I mean, you can see it in some people, but, but mo- most of the time, you, you can hide that. You can, you, can, you can pretend that, and you can just keep that under the surface the whole time. So he recognizes him as a performer. This guy is a sincere performer. Like, he's, like give him a task, and he'll perform it. He, he's, he's, he knows how to do these outward commandments, but there's inward commandments he's missing. So rather than call him out and say, oh, actually, you're not worshiping God with all your heart, and actually you have another God in your life, and it's money. Rather than doing that, he plays the performance game and says, oh, okay, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. He gives them the ultimate performance test, and, and the guy fails. And I think Jesus will do that with all of us. He's going to lead us to the place where we come to the end of ourself, with despair, where there's no hope of us saving ourselves, no shred. Of goodness within us that can can redeem anything within us so good so um and then so he he goes on and he he says uh gosh he he gives a very clear statement about the rich how hard it is for the rich to go into heaven how hard he says it twice in two different ways very very significant and then he says that you'll inherit a hundred times as much whatever you leave a hundred times as much in this life and the next that's a heavy statement it's one thing to say oh yeah in heaven you'll get it You're like yeah right like how do I, how can i like there's no proof of that but in this life he promises us in this life which is so bold very bold so to break down like okay so you have you have this kid and then this rich man and i think the the the, the three stark contrasts that i see are that the, the kid has no possessions because really even if kid has toys Legally, those are the parents' toys, all right? In a a court of law, it's going to stand up the parents own those toys. So kids own nothing. They have no possessions. They're high in need, and they're high in weakness. Super weak. Yeah. (laughs) But, But tough news with the weakness thing. I don't want to be weak, you know? And the rich man, he's, oh, man, he is like, he's low in weakness, low in need. And he's high in possessions. The guy has a lot of possessions. All right, very stark contrast here. Very stark contrast. I heard a quote that said, the mark of maturity in the Christian walk is our ability to receive. And I think that's, it's case in point here with like, when you have so many things, we're less apt to receive. If I have, other, if I have a bunch of things in my hands and you throw a ball to me, it's gonna be hard for me to receive that ball and to catch it. I'll have to drop everything else. But a kid who has no possessions is just going to be like, oh, yeah, I got it. Because they have nothing holding them back. There's nothing occupying them. They're free to receive more. They're, they're, they have a gift in receiving. And then also uh, Jesus says that his power is made perfect in weakness. All right? And so in, in the child that, I mean, with who has maximum weakness, his power is perfect. How, how much is Jesus' power effective in a rich man then? If his weakness is so small, how much power? How much power is that? So, so this, but this guy, you know, this guy's a sincere, decent guy. He's a decent, kind person. But the kingdom of heaven is not full of kind, decent people. The kingdom of heaven is full of Christians, people who have Christ within them, who we, we've emptied ourselves and brought Christ within us. That's what, what the kingdom is full of. It's not full of any kindness or, or shred of 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 goodness in ourselves, and what's so interesting and sad is that this uh, this guy is offered the adventure of a lifetime. He, he, he says at one point, "What do I lack? What do I still lack? I've done all these things. I've, I've kept. I've I've towed the line. I've followed things. What do I still lack? What am I missing?" And so he, he has, he's not he's not fully satisfied. And Jesus offers him this life. And I think so many of like. We're addicted to entertainment. We're addicted to, to you name it in this life because we're so unsatisfied deep down. There's so much missing from our lives that we, that we, were, we were created for and that we're meant for. And this guy is offered it. Jesus says, like, yeah, he tells him to sell everything he has, but he says, come follow me. Be a, be a part of the vanguard, the front lines of the most exciting campaign in history where we're gonna raise the dead, heal the sick, and, and, and do miracles and usher in God's love in, in his kingdom. And he's like, oh, nah, I'm good. No, that's, he, he turns it down. And, and see, that's the thing. He turns it down because, I believe, because of uh, uh, Newton's law of universal gravity. And, of course, we, you know, Einstein is b- built upon the idea of gravity and everything like that. But his, his basic premise, when Newton discovered gravity, what we, call, what we know as gravity, is that a, a mass, an object, exerts force on other objects. And so, and it's all, the force of that, of that uh, gravitational pull is dependent on the size of the mass and how close you are to the mass. So, okay, the, the sun is the biggest mass in our solar system. Giant, completely giant. And all the planets, we're all orbiting the sun because of this, this uh, gravitational pull that, this, that this, this mass object is exerting on us and our proximity to it. But the, look at this little moon off of Earth. This little moon... Earth is obviously, look, how, look at the, the, I mean, I don't know if that's to scale, but the sun is definitely that big or, or bigger. Much bigger than Earth. But for some reason, the moon is revolving around the Earth. Our moon is rolling on us and not the sun because of the proximity to it. Because it's so close to us, it's, it's kind of hooked and locked into our, our gravitational pull. And it's the same way for this guy. This guy is offered what his soul wants. This guy is offered the adventure his soul is missing, and he can't, he can't break away from it because he's, he's too close to his riches, to his possessions. He's too close to it, and there's, no, there's nothing to break it off. And, it's, and if, if he would just, just turn to Jesus right there, this mass would be able to break him of that. And it's the same way with us. Whatever we're, we're holding on to in life, we can't just say, oh, I'm going I'm to stop this. I'm going to quit this. If you were trying to do things, something on your own, in your own strength, you know the, the despair that causes and the, the fruitlessness of that. We need Jesus. We need a bigger mass, the biggest mass in the universe to, to dislodge us from the other orbits we get caught around. And this guy was stuck. So what's the purpose of this whole passage this morning? Basically, so we can judge the rich. So this gives us, this gives us opportunity to judge the rich. So yeah, so we, when you're out and about, you see a rich person, like, hey, go up and tell them this verse. And like, and like, on all those rich people that you may know or see, you know, like, just tell them that. That's the point of this verse. Um... Being rich is not evil, just as much as being poor is not pious. Okay? Like, there's, no, there's no automatic holiness in us being poor, in us, in us like, eschewing money and hating money. God doesn't get glory in that. And the thing is, though, we are the rich ones, whether we feel it or not. If you make $34,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the world. 34000 U.S. dollars, you're in the top 1% of the world. And the, the bottom 5% of the US, has more money than two-thirds of the entire world. Two-thirds, that is 66%. That is, gosh, you put that into seven billion, it's at least about five billion. So perspective-wise, what we can survive on is, and, and who we really are in the big scheme of things, is, is distorted. We gotta remember that this morning. We're the rich ones. Um, and even if, it, if it's, okay, okay, LA is, has a high cost of living. You could say that and say, oh, well, it's a high cost of living here. And it is. It is. But you know what? If you're serious about things, we can move. Uh, m- many of us can move. We, we, we can get on a, a bus for a, a, on a Greyhound and go somewhere where it's a much lower cost of living. We can go south of the border where it's a much lower cost of living. And then we can give more then. So, so um. I hate I hate shots. You guys you ever uh, get shots? Dog? I hate shots. I hate giving blood. I hate needles. I don't like it. It's it's not rational because I know it's safe, but I it's just I just don't like it. Um, so I, I, years ago, I was going on on this trip. And I needed to get shots. I needed to have blood drawn, and it was I, I was go, going to this place. It wasn't the safest, but I was more afraid of the shots. And so I'm in this the, the waiting room, and I'm I'm a, just just terrified. I'm like I'm shaking. I'm sweating, and I'm like, this is so ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, this verse comes into my head. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and he says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. When Jesus died on the cross for us, he bought us. He purchased us back from death. And so we're not our own. So me worrying about my skin being, being torn and blood coming out of me, and that is potentially a death-causing thing if you don't seal it up. It, it, me thinking that way is ridiculous. It's almost like me uh, watching Jeremy get blood, dread, uh, blood drawn and saying, like, "Oh no, no, he's going to die." It's like because that's not that's not mine to worry about. Like that's that's his body, and this is my this is God's body. This is not mine. So so why am I worried about like, like what, what's going to happen? Because that, that's his job to worry. It's not my job. It's 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 God's it's God's property. So it's his job to take care of his property. So that gave me such relief and such freedom. I still passed out, but I had so much freedom in that, though. I, and I, I, it, it set the, the tone for the whole rest of the trip. I made some, like, real big risks, and it was awesome. So, so we are the rich ones. All right, so um, uh, so, so is, is Jesus telling us to give away all our possessions, to sell our possessions? I don't know. But in this story, I believe he's talking directly to this guy, specifically to this guy, specifically to this guy. But in 1 John, it says, if you see your brother in need, do not help them, how can the love of God be within you? I mean, he's talking to this guy specifically. I'm sure of it. I really do believe that. But Ephesians 5 says that the greedy have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. That that means no heaven. That's nothing. I mean, he's talking to this guy. He's talking to this guy specifically. He is. But we're all going to receive a hard word from God, maybe multiple hard words in our life. And what are we going to do? Are we going to walk away? Or are we going to sit in it and fight it out with him? Because there's no rich in the kingdom. There's no rich people in the kingdom. Because when we come to Christ, we surrender everything to him. The clothes on our back, our identity, our, our talents, our, our abilities, everything is surrendered to him. It's all his money. It's everything. And it's so freeing. Like, you know, it's like Tyler Dearden said in Fight Club, you know, Brad Pitt's character, whatever you own ends up owning you, as he said. <laughs> and it's cheesy, but it is true. We don't own anything, all right? God owns it all. And it's, there's such freedom in that. So you don't, have to, you don't have to give away all your possessions, but you're not your own. You do not have to give away all your possessions. But if the idea of the early church economic model of giving everything and sharing resources completely, if that causes you to shudder and squirm a little bit, like it does to me sometimes, you need to get that checked out. All right, it's like that, that, That's a like little cancerous mole on your back. And you need to get checked out. Because it's serious. There's something there. And he's touching on something. So, most of us are, let's be honest, most of us are giving less than we can give. Let's be honest, all right? This message is for us. Most of us are giving less than we can. And you may say, oh, well, I, okay. There, there's, let's just be honest, let's just be real. So, we're convicted by this, right? So what do I do when I'm convicted by something? I make it right, I, I change it, you know? I stand up and take charge and fix it, all right? So I'm gonna give, so today we're just gonna give, all right? We're just gonna give till it hurts. <laughs> that, that, that's a solution, right? Because you, we're not giving enough, so we need to give. That's the that's a solution. And then we fall right back into the performance trap because it's, not coming from the, it's coming from the wrong root within us. It's coming from performance root. It's coming from some, not knowing God's love for us. It's coming from a place that thinks we need to save ourselves. So, yeah, if we, if we follow the most powerful being in the universe, if we believe that he's as loving as he as we say he is, if we believe the promises he gives us, if we believe all that, then why are we clutching onto the things we own? Why are we holding onto them tight? So, I hate when teachers do this, but I'm gonna do it. Um, I I have the, the six R's, the six R's of what we're supposed to do, okay? In uh, Isaiah 30, 15, it says, uh, in, in, in much work and, and sweat is your salvation. No. It says, in rest and repentance is your salvation. In rest. That'd be the last thing I, I think I'd want to do if I want to get saved. I'm like, no, no, okay, what do I need to do? What good thing must I do? In rest and repentance is your salvation. And repentance is, is, is like, it's not just saying, it's not saying you're sorry. It's, Repentance is believing God is who he says he is and that you are who he says he, you are. It's just, it's just acknowledging that. Just acknowledging that and believing that. There's no white knuckling it here, okay? In fact, don't, yeah, don't go out and give anything today, okay? I want you to, to sit and rest. No white knuckling. God loves cheerful givers. The next two R's are remove and realize. Remove, okay? If, as long as we are hiding behind our, our possessions, our talents, or anything that gives us a little sense of value, we're never gonna know how much it is, how much we're loved by the people around us and especially to God. They hide us. And there's always gonna be a, a little lie in the back of our head saying, oh, they like me because I have this. They like me for this. But they really knew me. There's a little lie that it sits in there. But when we can strip us bare, strip down all, our, our, the, all the things we hide behind, all our, our talents, our, our wealth, our, our good deeds, our, the, 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 you know, the, how we've lived our life, everything we hide behind, if we can strip those things down and just be naked and raw before God and know that we bring nothing like that little kid, then we can experience that deep love that, that accepts us before we do anything. That fully accepts us, and out of that place, things happen. Beauty happens, amazing things happen. And the the last two are uh, wrestle and reframe. It's <laughs> wrestle with an R. All right, Israel. The name means to wrestle with God, and this guy. He didn't agree with what he said, but how many times when I hear a word from God that I don't like, I'm like, ugh. Oh, I just shut it down, and I just kind of distract myself and think about something else. I do what this guy did. I walk away sad because I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that, but I'm just sad. And you're just stuck in this place. I bet if you would have stayed and argued it out with him and said, God, that doesn't make any sense. Why? You put me in this position. Why would I go? I bet if you would have argued with him, he would have come to a place where he's free. And maybe God would have said, hey, keep your money. I just want you to dislodge that. Most likely he would have said just to, to come and follow me and, and let go of all your money. But I, every time I've argued with God, every single time, he's won. And, it, and it's awesome. I, I'm convinced, you know. I, I'm not like, like, okay, God. There's a great story Jesus tells about two, two sons. And the, God, and the dad tells him to go work in the field. And the first son says, no. But then he goes and works in the field. And, this, and the second son says, yeah, I'll do it. And then doesn't work. And he's like, who obeyed? It's the son who said no first, the son who dealt honestly with his feelings. And it's not uncomfortable, it's not comfortable to hear God say, give away everything you own, or I own everything you own. That's not comfortable, but then wrestle with him. Don't walk away sad. Just sit in there and say, I don't agree with that. I'm not leaving your presence, but I don't agree with that. And just let let him love you. Let him look at you and love you, and give you what you really want that you're trying to get from all your possessions and and the idea of ownership. And then reframe too, this this, this is a scene where you can view it as a, a harsh God demanding a sacrifice, a great sacrifice. Or you can view it as a loving God who's launching a prison break. It's however we frame it. Whatever frame you put around a painting changes it so much. If you see a cheap frame around a painting, it's like, oh, that's kind of good. You put a really good frame around it, you're like, oh, that that painting is beautiful. And now I see it. And that's exactly what we need to do with so many situations in life. Stop making them like these hard situations. It's it's beautiful. He's launching a prison break and the guy doesn't want to leave the prison. He refuses to. The guy's only weakness was that he refused to be weak. His only weakness was he refused to be weak. So we're going we're gonna to go through some things right now. And uh, I want you to sit and ask God some things. Don't think about things. I want you to ask God and listen. Don't try to come up with your own answer. Sit and listen. And then once you're done listening for a time period, Justin, do you mind playing some music for us? And once you're done listening, turn to someone next to you and pray. Or, or, or find someone to pray. Everyone, We, we need... We need help in this. We want to be free. I want want us to live life to the fullest and enter the greatest adventure we'll ever encounter. And that is by letting go. Letting go of our hands. So let's all put our hands out right now, if you don't mind, just putting open hands. What's funny is that doing this actually increases blood flow in your body and makes you feel more alive because it's such a posture that we're meant for, rather than this. In the name of Jesus, I silence you, enemy, to not speak, be silent. And God, may you speak to us right now. May you encounter us and relieve us, rescue us. The first question is, uh, what have I, what do you want from us, God? What do you want from us, from me? What do you want from me? Mm. And what do I believe about you that is causing this, this resistance? What do I believe about you that is causing this resistance? Holy Lord, speak to us. Speak.